We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up? What's going on, everybody? This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode number 30. Scott's back from, uh, where'd you go, Tibet, Taiwan? Where were you? Uh, apparently it was Thailand. It was like every Asian country you could possibly name besides the one I was actually in. Um, it was Taiwan. I was in Taiwan. So uh, we had a, I had a business trip for, um, uh, for my company and a successful business trip, and now I'm back. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be back. Welcome home. How you doing? <laughs> Thank you, thank you. I, I successfully dodged a typhoon. Um, I was yeah. supposed to be back uh, last night, or actually today, and uh, ended up coming back on Thursday because there was a typhoon gonna, that was going to swallow the island um, early in the week. There was like 160 mile an hour winds. It was like a, equivalent to a Category Five hurricane. So I'm like, we need to leave because <laughs> if you don't get a flight out, like there's chances that you may not be able to get a flight out for like a week. Yeah. So um, yeah. So the uh, left a little early, which was a which was a good thing, and. Uh, and the, the the storm actually ended up not hitting the island as hard, so that's good for them too. But um, yeah, 
happy to be home back on uh, U.S. soil. Can you believe this is the 30th episode? It's crazy, isn't it? That's a lot of episodes. That's a lot of Sundays that we've been talking about Yankees after uh, watching for an entire week. So, yeah, that's cool. No, it's, it's, it's hard to believe that we've been doing this for um, – that's a full month if, you, if, you did, if we recorded every day. Yeah, it's a lot of hours of us talking about about baseball, and I'm sure of us talking about a lot of nothing at the same time. Yeah, congratulations, right? I mean, that's kind of a landmark. I'd say 30 30 episodes. Um, People are actually listening to us still. Our numbers are are climbing each week, I think. So so thank you, everybody, for listening to us and listening to us jabber around. I like how you put that. People are still listening to us still. Yeah, yeah. We we haven't completely lost everybody, which is a good thing, I guess. Uh, they're they're sticking around. We'll see what happens in the off season when we start talking about everything. Yeah, we're gonna fight about some football. Yeah, yeah. Little does everybody know uh, who you I like. Don't, in, I don't think you gotta in, let that out of the, the NFL. <laughs> okay, we'll wait. We'll wait. <laughs> uh, I just actually had my fantasy football draft for uh, a league I'm in with a bunch of college friends um, and a couple high school friends this weekend. I had everybody at my place, so we did our first in person draft. Those are the absolute best. Yeah, it was a lot. Of One, fun. I got. I, so it, it's early, I guess, because you guys could schedule it that way. So yeah, it was really it, it worked out for everyone's schedules where this weekend yeah. we could all get in. Yeah, kind of. We usually like to wait until the last week of the preseason, right? But um, it just worked out this way. And and you know, honestly, the in person drafts are the the best. We used to do that. Uh, I was in a fraternity in school, and we would have. This was like when fantasy football first started, and we started doing. We had one in our fraternity house every year. And we'd get a keg and we'd like, you know, it was like the, the, the back end of the draft was just complete belligerence. <laughs> and it was always hilarious because someone would pick someone who was like out for the year or not even in the NFL anymore. And it was it was funny. But those are those are definitely the most fun. I have one now where I do locally with my like my friends here and we do no, no technology. So you got to bring like pieces of paper and then we draft like that. So it's like zero. You can't Google anything. You can't look up anything. Everything's got to be notes. That's intense. So we, we all had our computers. We actually, it was like an, it was an online in-person draft. So we were just all sitting in the same room, just drafting online. Um, we didn't really plan ahead far enough to have like a whole offline situation going. Yeah. Uh, but it was still a lot of fun. We announced all of our picks and everything. So I'm actually excited about my team this year. I finished in the last place the last two years. So I think I, I think I'm uh, on the way up. Nice. Well, if you need some consulting on the side, let me know because I'm a pretty good fantasy football player. Well, last year, so, uh, Adrian Peterson kind of bit me in the ass. So, uh, yeah, he I'm hit you in the ass. He hit you. Did yeah. he whip you in the ass? He did. Yeah. He, he, he really hit me there. But, uh, yeah, I'm hoping <laughs> that this year I drafted him again. So I'm hoping that. <laughs> there you go. You're that not bitter. Times least, a charm because yeah. it's the third year in a row I have him. Well, I think this year he's going to be he's going to be an angry running back, right? He's going to be out there. Looking to prove something, I think. So I actually think it's a good, uh, it's a good move for you. That's I think he's going to have a really good season. Yeah. 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 So, so. Uh, it's been kind of a while you were gone. It's been a little bit of an up and down week for the Yankees. I know you weren't able to watch a lot of it, but how uh, how difficult is it to follow what's going on over there? Yeah, so the, I think the time difference is the biggest thing. Um, but because I have MLB TV, like the technology is not the issue. It's it's the games are if it's a seven o'clock game at night. So Taiwan's a twelve hour difference, and it, you know everything is just reverse, right? It's the same time, just AM and PM is reversed. So seven AM is uh, is the is when the games start for me. So I'm able to watch a little bit of it, and then I got to go. I had meetings pretty much all week, um, so I was able to catch a, a few of the games at least early on. And then like the one o'clock game, I had no shot because I was one in the morning for me um 
but yeah, that's the biggest thing. But like, you know, there's internet, there's computers, and I can watch, <laughs> I can watch the games uh, on the computer, which was cool. So, um, and then I was able to watch recaps and highlights. So I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of abreast of what was happening. Um, you do any scouting yeah. while you were over there? I, you know, I was looking. Someone, I think Rich was asking me if I had seen any Tim and Wong jerseys, and because uh, he's from Taiwan, and unfortunately, I did not see any. Because if I did, it would be on my back right now. I would have 100 percent bought it. Because that would be a sweet jersey. Yeah, Wong was like the pride of Taiwan. He was one of their best uh, yeah. players to ever come out of there. No doubt, and he and he made a huge impact in in the um, in major leagues. I mean, he was he was our number one for a while uh, until that that fluke injury happened to him, and it was just it was unfortunate because I really liked him. Actually, he was a he was a good a good a good teammate to the on that on that squad, and and he was a uh, he was old reliable. You know, he, he was not flashy by any means. He didn't have like a crazy fastball. But he was good, man. He was a solid starting pitcher. He was solid in a time when they didn't have any pitching at all. Right, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, he, traditionally he's not what you think of as the number one, but he was the number one then. Um, and and he, he helped hold it down as much as he could. So I'm looking at all of our notes, and we've got like two pages of notes. A lot has happened in the last few days. I know. I picked a good week for that when I was completely out of the loop. <laughs> You're going to be talking out of your ass on most of this stuff? Most of it, I'm going to be talking squarely out of my ass. <laughs> now, I have followed a lot of it. Just thank you, thank you, Internet. Thank you, MLB TV and highlights. Um, so I, I did follow most of the news. And then, um, you know, full disclosure, you and I had a, had a really good review session before we went online or we went on uh, the podcast. So, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm well aware of everything. And, I, you know, I have an opinion about everything. So let's do it. <laughs> All right. You ready to get into it? Yeah, man. So while uh, the first thing that happened last week, and it was actually from two weeks ago, was that TMZ video that surfaced of Cece. Were you able to see that thing? Yes, I did see it. It was um, it was choppy when I saw. It. it took me like twenty minutes to actually see like a thirty second clip, but I did see it. So it was it was interesting. It was it looked like he was getting heckled and he yeah. reacted right. So this was Friday when they were in Toronto to um, last weekend, so a little over a week ago. It was Friday after the game, him and Batances, and I think some other players, I just don't know exactly who, I couldn't make it out in the video, but they were out at a club after the game, and yeah, like you said, they got heckled on their way out, and they had to hold back CeCe, so he wasn't going to jump into the brawl, which, I mean, if you're CeCe, just get in the get in the cab, or get in the, I'm sure, limo, or whatever he was getting into, and go back to the hotel, and just shut your mouth, but what I want to know is... Why the hell were they at a club after the game with a with a day game the next day? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I mean, there's no reason for that when you're a professional baseball player and you have a night. Like I could see you going out after a night game and then you have a, a, another game uh, the following night. But if you have a day game, that's an early day. You got to get your rest. You got to get started. And not so much for CC because he wasn't pitching, right? But but Patances, if he was out there, I didn't see that Patances was out there. I, the, when I was watching, I didn't see anybody else but CC and his shoe. I saw his shoe multiple times. Um, but um, but yeah, there's no there's no reason for that. Like, Batances needs to be ready every single day. Um, well, there was a picture so, that also TMZ had where Batances was in the picture with CC. Okay, yeah, I didn't see that one. I didn't see that picture. But yeah, no. So if, if there were other guys out there, that's 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 uh, that's not a good that's not a good look. You definitely don't want to be out in a club um, the night before a day game for sure, especially when you're in a playoff. Yeah, you know, in a in a pennant race in Toronto. Yeah, maybe if you're playing in Boston and the Red Sox because they suck right now, but but Toronto is your number one rival. You can't be. You got to get all the rest you can get. 
Okay, I think that was a bad example because the Boston Red Sox are on the bottom. I still don't want you out in Boston late night because bad <laughs> things will happen in Boston too. <laughs> I'll take care of them. I'll take care of them. Yeah. Or Rich will because he follows A-Rod in Boston apparently. Yeah, he does. He follows them everywhere. Um, so yeah. <laughs> more, more stuff that happened. Uh, Teixeira is out. Uh, he's been out uh, with a shin injury since he fouled a ball off his leg last Monday. And um, this sort of, you know, he finishes at bat. I know we're going to talk about all the games, but he finishes at bat and then got pinch run for, and then he was seen walking around on crutches for pretty much the rest of the week. And like I said, he hasn't played. This stuff can be pretty serious because I don't know if you remember Jermaine Dye broke his leg doing this, um, I think, when he was with Oakland. So so this is no joke. Yeah, well, uh, you know, they 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 haven't said anything about any damage done to the leg itself. They've they've called it like a deep bone bruise, right? So, yeah. and I know those can those can linger. They're just they suck. <laughs> they just they're just there's nothing like physically wrong with you except for like there's a, just a, a lesion in your in your leg or wherever you get hit. So, yeah, that that takes a while for it to go uh, away. I think, and I you know they've got to be just being overcautious at this point because he has been so good this year and really just avoided any major injuries as far as you know the things that have been lingering i think they're just being extra careful with him um well he but, does you know, kind of have a little bit of a history as maybe being a little fragile no absolutely but you know with, with the so that's why i think they're also being more uh, you know reluctant to throw him out there immediately you know and 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 let, let, we're going to talk about this so the you know the the the, the surgence of of greg bird has definitely made that a lot easier right Definitely, but there's no question they miss his bat in the middle of the lineup. Right, absolutely. Um, I agree. I just think they're being overcautious, and I don't blame them, to tell you the truth. He took batting practice, or he was scheduled to take batting practice on Sunday. We're recording this on Sunday, so that's today. I actually didn't see if he did officially take batting practice, but you know, hopefully he did and everything was okay. I know he was not available for the game, though, to pinch hit. Yes, right, because Chris Young went in in a, in a position you'd think that Teixeira would be the guy. So, um, yeah, I don't think he was available today. I'm not sure if he actually took the batting practice or not. Yeah, it's one of those things. I mean, they're carrying him on the active roster, so their bench is thin with him out. Uh, it, would be, it would be nice if he comes back soon, or if not, maybe they retroactively DL him um, for, for the next week. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like uh, this is the, it just the way that they've been handling it leads me to believe that he's going to be back this week. Hopefully, hopefully. So something that's uh, also happened on Monday was Brian Mitchell took a line drive off the face. It was just above his eye. He was bleeding. He went down immediately. Uh, I mean, I've seen these things a few times, you know, just from watching games over the years. And every time it makes my stomach, like, absolutely turn. Like, it's just nasty to watch. It is. I think J.A. Happ was, like, one of the worst ones I've seen in a long time. He got crushed. Um, And, yeah, it is. It's just... You know, the, I don't know if you saw this. Did you see the picture of his hat afterwards? Yeah, yeah the, the brim was totally the, bent. I mean, that that is a solid direct impact for a brim like that that's like, you know, it's got some give to make an impact and stay. That's crazy. So, yeah, he got lucky. He got lucky the way he dodged that. And it looked like at the last second he kind of like pulled back a little bit and it hit the brim um, first before making contact with his face. So, yeah, he caught a lucky break with that one. It was it was definitely a scary, uh, scary thing to see, though. You know, they've been talking about maybe putting some helmets in for pitchers or, or extra padding in the hat. So if it hits him in the head, you know, it's not yeah. serious. But that hit him in the face. You can't do anything about that. No, you can't. And there's a guy who's wearing it now. I forget who it was on the Nationals or the Braves. Mets. It's a Mets. Met. And I'm the drawing Mets? a blank on his name as well. Um, or at least he was with the Mets last year. 
But yeah, so anyway, it's like a it's it's it just looks like a a, a larger hat, right? It was on like the when sides. Cervelli was wearing the big uh, you know the big helmet. helmet. Yeah. Yeah, 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 he did look like that. Um, but you know, it, it covers the temple. Like that's the big area. It's covering the you know the the left and right side of your head rather than the front or the face. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I can't really see a lot of these guys unless they make something that's like Kevlar or something that's thin enough that that doesn't really affect the way that they move and the way that they the way that it feels. Like, I can't see them using it. I, I, you know, as much as some of these some of these. Because it just doesn't happen as as frequently, and I feel like you know when you're on the mound, a lot of these guys have kind of the the complex saying, you know, it's not going to happen to me type thing, um, and I don't want it to affect the way I throw. I'm actually so, surprised it doesn't happen more often. I am too. I'm definitely surprised it doesn't happen more often. But um, but that's I think the reason why the guys won't it won't become as prevalent uh, in in the in the major leagues. I think as time goes on, you'll see more people go because there's just more media attention and more you know more numbers and statistics and more research about what happens with concussions and the ball coming back and so you'll see more guys doing it but uh, I don't think it's going to become a norm all things considered though Mitchell like you said dodged the bullet and he was placed on the seven day excuse me uh, seven day concussion DL and he threw a bullpen session today so he, he should be back soon yeah I think Tuesday he's eligible to come back and from what I heard he will be back uh, or you know, at least have the ability to come back, which will be, which will be good because we're going to need him. Uh, you know, we're going to need him in you know as as a spot starter coming up. You know who I don't want to see ever back? That's uh, Chris Capuano, Chris Capuano. Yeah. <laughs> who was DFA'd for the third time this month uh, for Brandon Pinder. Who also, you know, I don't if I never see him again, I'm fine with that as well. But but talk about the Yankees just treating Capuano like trash that you just throw on the side of the road and then pick up again whenever you want to use it. Three times in one month. Yeah, and you know, every single time he has not been able to catch on with anybody else. So doesn't that say something? Because yeah, like, can we just throw somebody else out there? Like, just stop bringing him in. It's worthless piece of garbage. Like you're saying, it's there's no reason to have him out there. I'd rather have some kid throw. I, honestly, I don't, I don't, I don't care. I'd rather you bring up a kid from Double A to throw than Chris Capuano, just because I don't know his name and I don't really think that we're going to lose immediately. It's just, yeah, it's it's worthless. And Brandon Pinder, you know, I, I have mixed things. Like his stuff looks good, and you know me, I'm a I'm a stuff guy, and his stuff looks good. Um, but he just doesn't seem like he's ready for big situations because every time he's been in um, this season, he's, uh, he's, he's really not shown up when well, the lights are bright. In the last two weeks, we've seen him blow two extra inning games, so I think that doesn't help his mental psyche. Yeah, and he was not good today. Like he was, he was walking out. He just can't throw strikes. Is is what happens when he comes in, and that's uh, he falls behind in counts, and then he groups fastballs, and it's just no good. Um, so yeah, he needs to he needs some more seasoning for sure. Uh, also, some some update on Michael Pineda, who's been out since the trade deadline. He's going to make his return from the DL this Wednesday for versus the Astros. And you know, before today, Girardi had said they're going to go to a six man rotation when Pineda returns. But obviously, with the injury to CC, who is going on the DL, I think uh, we just saw that news break recently. I don't know what they're going to do with this six-man rotation, maybe five-man rotation, but all I know is we're getting Big Mike back and we're losing Big CC. Yeah. And I don't know how many – yeah, I mean, granted, nobody wants to see injury, right? Nobody wants to see injury. I, I get it. And and I neither do I. You know, and CC has been a, a good Yankee for a long time. 
But when you're talking about the team itself, you know, it's not the biggest loss in the world as far as on the field. And I think a lot of Yankee fans just from looking at Twitter today are not that devastated by uh, by the injury because he's going to go to the DL. He's going to have some time to rest, which I think will be good for him, obviously, to heal up. You save that arm because he's going to come back. And um, I like I was kind of talking about before, I think I think Brian Mitchell is going to be a spot start guy for when Girardi wants Tanaka to get extra rest. I think he's going to play that role. Uh, after the game, when talking about his knee injury, CC said that uh, he was just—he he, might have heard it because he was just giving it all. So the quote is, "Yeah, but what else is there to do? Pitch who I've been pitching, or go out there and try and compete." So I decided to give it everything I had, and uh, it looks like he tried to crank it up a little bit and tweaked his knee. Yeah, and he cranked it up on a 91 mile an hour fastball too. That well, was cranking pitch. it up for CC. Yeah, I mean, a couple of starts before that, he hit 94, right? Yeah, he, I mean, he was, I want he was up a couple of times. I want that gun to be checked again. Yeah, but, you know, maybe that had some some kind of effect on his knee at the time when he was doing that, too, and it just kind of lingered and he didn't tell anybody. Um, you know, that, that, was an, that was an early trend for the Yankees in 2015, not telling anybody about injuries. So that, that you know, would be something that I could see happening. Um, but, yeah, you know, it just looks like his body's not – it just can't handle it anymore, and – so, you know, it's it's a shame to see, but uh, you know, it's the reality. It's, it's today's reality, and and he, unless he is, um, I guess, you know, trying to get more out of his body than his body can give, uh, he's not an effective pitcher. So, and he kind of admitted that today. You know, he actually had some pretty decent starts over the last few weeks. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. But did that take the toll on his body that we're seeing today? Uh, potentially, I don't know. But you know, what he's saying is, what he's saying to me is that he's been, in order to compete. He's got to let it fly, and and just not think about what the you know what the effect will be negatively on his body because he he definitely believes that in order for him to pitch well at this point in his career that he's got to let it go and for him to let it go it means you're sacrificing um, you know the weight ending on the knee uh, you know and the follow through uh, I, you know a lot of those have adverse effects to his health and um, I really I feel like he admitted to that and that's what he was talking about in that quote. Yeah, uh, I know people, you know, were were joking that they were happy this happened. Um, while I know it's not a huge loss on the field because CC's been probably their worst starter all year. Right now, they need all the arms they can get. And yeah, Brian Mitchell uh, will come in and make spot starts, but is Brian Mitchell better than what CC was giving you? I don't know. I mean, we're talking about five innings, three to four runs every time. So you know, I, I feel like. I feel like there's a lot of guys that could do that. Um, but, you know, I don't know. Time will tell. You know, look, he, yes, over the past, what, three starts, he's been terrific. He's been very good. He's competed his butt off. And obviously that came at a toll. So um, I just don't think that's something that he can, you know, he can sustain through a season anymore. It's just, it's just not in the cards. Does not appear to be in the cards, as you said. So let's, uh, let's turn the tables a little bit and start talking about some, some better memories and that's the fact that the Yankees uh, honored Posada and Pettit this weekend. Um, this is they so they retired number twenty for Posada, retired number forty six for Pettit. Uh, I know we might get into if the Yankees should be retiring all these numbers, but regardless, it was it was nice to see those guys back. You know, it's always good to see these guys come back, and for us to be able to to reminisce um, about that. That you know, tremendous era from '96 to 2000. I'll say 2001 because I think 2001 was a great season as well. But um, you know, I think the Yankee fans overall 
absolutely love seeing like their guys out there. And and when you talk about your guys, like today it's the core four and 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 then some. Um, you know, all the other guys have supported those those teams. They love seeing back anyway. But actually commemorating those guys. The Yankee fans are, are all about it. They love seeing those guys. Um, so yeah, good good times in Yankee Stadium with uh, with the, uh, the the Pettit and Posada days. Yeah, I mean it was great to see, uh, like you said. But I, I think uh, I'm starting to hit a breaking point with all these numbers being retired. I don't know about you. I'm on the same page, man. And, I, and this may be this may be hard for a lot of Yankee fans to hear or think about, or I don't know if you've really pondered it too much. But um, I, I kind of I kinda, I'm on the same page. I, I think I am. So I mean, absolutely, Posada was it should be considered one of not just the greatest, you know, in the long history of Yankee players over the last hundred something years. You know, he's he's one of the best catchers they've ever had, and he was. You know, on the top five of reasons why the the dynasty in the '90s and 2000s existed, but you're going to tell me his number, you know, deserves to be retired. Uh, uh, retired? I think it's a little, it's pushing a little bit. I know a lot of teams only retire numbers for guys who are in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So when I think about retired numbers for the New York Yankees, I think about like the greatest of greatest players, right? Like you you think about the you know Yogi Berra, Mickey Mantle, uh, Joe DiMaggio, Lou Gehrig, Babe Ruth. Like these guys are are like monumental baseball players. Um, and you know when you, when you start throwing in more names like Jorge Posada and 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 Bernie Williams and Andy Pettit, well well. Don't get me wrong. You know, I love these guys. These guys are like everything I, I grew up with loving the Yankees. Do I think that they, they could get like a plaque in Monument Park like they've been doing? Absolutely. I That's that's my opinion. I like that. Retiring their number is, for the New York Yankees, in my opinion, a bigger deal than any other team. Maybe that's because I'm a Yankee fan. I don't know. Maybe I'm completely biased. But like I would assume it would be the same way for like the Lakers or like the Celtics, right? Like it would be, it would be like that type of thing. Like you're a historic franchise, like the Chicago Cubs. Like you need to be like an all-time great to get your your number retired. So like Mo and and Jeter, yes, retire their numbers. Absolutely retire their numbers because they deserve that that honor. Uh, when you start talking about the Andy Pettits and and the Posadas and the and the Bernie Williams, while they were great players in that era, you know, I just I. I don't see them in that same light um, in the grand scheme of things. So uh, maybe, and maybe that's a very unpopular opinion uh, amongst Yankee fans, but uh, it's definitely how I feel. It's probably a little unpopular among Yankee fans, but I think a lot will agree with you as well. I mean, it's kind of diluting the whole number retired thing. No doubt about it. I mean, I, I agree. And you know, they've been giving these plaques and things like that. And I, you know, there's a distinct there's a distinctive difference between the plaque and the retired player. But you know, they have uh, they have plaques for what Tino and Paul O'Neill. Um, they got plaques they were, for everybody out there. Yeah, there's there's a million plaques out there, and and you're and there's a commemorate. There's a reason why those guys have plaques. So like to me, like Posada, Bernie, and um, and Andy Pettit. Should be getting plaques. That's that's how I feel. Like I, they should be absolutely memorized, memor, uh, remembered in a in a special light, and 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 be out there with amongst the plaques. But the retired number thing, I don't know. I I, I have mixed feelings about it. But at the end of the day, I look at the the guys before them, and maybe it's because we didn't 
watch those guys and we have them as like immortal figures in our minds like that that very well could play into it and the fact that we saw these guys and we compare them to the immortals you know maybe that has something to do with it i don't know uh, it probably does um so maybe in like 30 40 years from now they'll be looking back at this time and they'll like Jorge Posada will be looked at as we look at Yogi Berra i don't know maybe they will be yeah, it's a fine line because they, you know, they have like Reggie Jackson's number retired, and Reggie Jackson right. was, you know, such a major impact for those uh, '70s teams, and he won them two World Series, but he was only on the team for like a few years. You're gonna tell me his number deserves to be retired up there next to Mariano Rivera or Derek Jeter? You know, get out of here. So, um, and it's just kind of one of those things that you know you and I can bitch about, but at the end of the day, Posada and Petter, two of my favorite players of all time. 20's me too. Never, me too. That's why it's yeah. so hard for me to say that. Yeah. Twenty yeah. is never going to be worn again. Forty six is never going to be worn again. But interesting note on Pettis. But it was one. But it was worn. Yeah. yeah. Interesting note on Pettis' number. After the 03 season, he went and signed a three year contract with Houston. In those three years, the Yankees gave out number forty six to guys named Donovan Osborne, Daryl May, Alan Embry, who was a Red Sox and then came over to the Yankees, Scott Erickson. And Aaron Guile, who honestly I don't even remember that name. Uh, so he, I kind of remember Aaron Guile. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. They were they were giving out forty six to every schmuck who walked through the door. You know, you think they were bitter a little bit? No, I think they were. It was was Daryl May an outfielder? Was he? Um, I, I he was a Red Sox too. I think. I, I have if no I remember idea. correctly who Daryl May was. I'm trying to think of him, but I think he I think he was. If, if That's I'm right, the point it's, though. Yeah, that's exactly. I think you're right. I think it was a little bit of a slight. I think they were they were bitter the fact that he signed in Houston, and you know I, I listened to an Andy Pettit interview today. He was on. Everybody listened to it if they watched the game. Um, he was on talking to Michael Kay, and he was talking about the contract that he got, and he was he was offered big money from the Red Sox and the Orioles to sign, and he said I, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't I couldn't sign with those guys in the East. To compete against my boys. And I and love that. The, That's awesome. That is awesome. And he took the worst deal because it was home, right? He lives in Houston. He's, he, that's, that's where he, he makes a home. And he wanted to be closer to his family. So it's really hard when you talk about like – when you get rid of like the baseball uh, Yankees thing and you look at like a personal level, it's really hard to, to slight a guy for going trying to go back to his family in, 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 my, in my opinion. But – um, well, I think he was following Roger Clemens around. <laughs> that's true too, and that's that that hurt Roger Clemens at the end <laughs> in in court. And uh, but he um he definitely he definitely pissed off the Yankees, I think, and the Yankees uh, felt slighted, and I think that's why those numbers were given out to, to those to those random dudes. Well, the Yankees totally misjudged how much longer he would have on his in his career because I remember they were they had concerns with his elbow. And that's yep. why they didn't want to give him, I think, more than three or four years. But, I mean, the guy pitched another almost ten years after that. So, Yeah, he definitely persevered. And, and that's the other thing that a lot of people don't want to talk about, right, is, is the, the whole fact that, that Andy Pettit got, um, got busted for HGH. Like, let, there's, let, let's talk about that. I mean, does that not negatively affect anything? It, it doesn't for the New York Yankees, apparently, for retiring their number. Like, that has no bearing. And I know Andy came out and, and admitted it and said he used it one time because of injury when he was in Houston. Um, but, you know, it's something to think about, man, because honestly, like, while, while I think Andy Pettit um, probably, you know, didn't use it for a long time, I mean, I guarantee he used it more than once. 
Um, l- l- let's all be honest. Like that was an era where it was just com- completely accepted. It was fine, and it's 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 one of those just dark clouds that I think uh, didn't get kind of talked about for the uh, you know for this particular instance. I think if not for the HGH thing, Pettit has an outside chance at making the Hall of Fame because his his career regular season numbers are very very solid. But his playoff numbers, I mean, he's the winningest playoff pitcher of all time. And I think that goes, that gets you into the Hall of Fame sometimes. But the HGH thing kind of negates that. I totally agree. I, I still think he, like you said, it's a, it's a, it's a reach. It's still, he's still a borderline without the HGH. Um, but yeah, so his, his, but his postseason record speaks for itself. I mean, you know, a lot of people who are not Yankee fans just just come at you and say, "Well, the Yankees were in the world were in the World Series and the playoffs a lot more than any other teams." Well, well, s- sorry, <laughs> yeah. sorry that we were there a lot and that he was pitching in the in the playoffs a lot. Sorry about that. You know, like, what am I supposed to be? You, you're gonna you're gonna ding me for that? that? That's ridiculous. That doesn't change but the yeah. fact that he went out there and won and 19 playoff for, games. And he was amazing. Yeah, no doubt. So, so uh, yeah, I mean, I I think when you're talking about Pettit and Posada. We're talking about two of the the great Yankee players of the last twenty years, and and definitely guys in the conversation of you know top I don't know fifty baseball players of the last twenty years or something like that. But uh, the whole number retired thing and the Hall of Fame you know questions I think are a little bit uh, out of reach for these guys. So you well, know, you still- know, and and just in general, like just sorry to cut you off a little bit, but it, it's just it's uncomfortable to talk about. Like I'm uncomfortable talking about it a little bit because because I have such admiration for both of these guys. You know what I mean? So it's like I don't know. It's like you know, the, yes, I understand why they're held in such high regard. Um, but you you kind of made a point earlier when we were talking about the Yankees and, and and one of the reasons you might think that they're retired that that I think is interesting as well. Oh yeah, you mean before we were recording? I yeah, yes. I said that I think they might have scheduled a lot of these days like Andy Pettit and Posada and Bernie Day because they thought the team was going to be pretty bad this year. And they thought come August they would be around 500 and not really relevant and they wanted to get asses in the seats. Yeah, and that's you know, it's not a crazy notion because that's exactly what happened last year. That's exactly people were coming to the ballpark to see Mariano and to see Jeter, right? They were coming to see these guys. Um, so it's it's really not out of the realm. I mean, the New York Yankees, while they're the greatest sports franchise in major in in history in sports, in my opinion, um, they are a marketing machine as well. They're they're very good at what they do, um, and they and they know how to drive uh, traffic. So, you know, that's not out of the realm of possibilities. Uh, I, I I think that was probably a, if not a, a determining factor, a, a definitely a side note. Well, if that was one of the reasons, just know, Yankees, I'm on to you. I'm on to you, and you're not getting it past me. I'm not going to buy tickets to those games because they're too expensive. But I will <laughs> if I can afford it. All right. Uh, news around Major League Baseball. Uh, big big move for the Red Sox. They hired Dave Dombrowski to be president of Baseball Ops, and that means Ben Charrington, who has been the GM for the last few years, resigned, but I think he essentially got fired. Um, yes, that that's a big move for the Red Sox. Yeah, and it's one that I don't really like because Dombrowski is kind of a wild card. Uh, he he's turned a lot of uh, a lot of just crap into gold when he was with the Tigers and and the Marlins he, and the Marlins. He's he's made some good moves, man. And uh, so the, so I think he's he's got a good baseball mind, and I think he he kind of gets it as far as building championship teams. So. Um, uh, you know, or at least caliber teams. 
he 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 worries me a little bit over there. So that's uh, to me that's a good good hire by the Red Sox, um, but I don't like it. Yeah, I've, I mean the Red Sox have been irrelevant for three out of the last four years. They needed to make a change. Uh, it, it's definitely a move that will make them better in the next few years to come. So. Hey, you know what? I'd rather them be better than them be trash because I like it better when there's a big rivalry. And we haven't had that in a while. And I miss that. No, and Charrington was kind of riding the coattails of Theo, right? I mean, he was like the young guy behind the young guy. So maybe young, another young guy will work. Um, and it just didn't work. He just wasn't as good as, as Theo Epstein. Because honestly, I think Theo Epstein's doing a good job in, in Chicago right now. I just think yeah, he's, hell yeah. he's, he's good at what he does. Um, and, uh, you know, this, this guy was, you know, kind of like uh, on, on the coattails of him. Um, but just doesn't get it as much. He doesn't. He doesn't see the. He doesn't have the vision that that Epstein had uh, and has. Um, so so I, I I do think this is a good move for the Red Sox. Unfortunately, but I, I see what you're saying with the rivalry. Like to me, I, I agree. It's more fun when when the both teams are in it. Definitely, definitely. All right, so let's get into some of these game breakdowns. The Yankees, as we sit here right now, Toronto has won today, so Toronto's in first place. The Yanks are 68 and 55, half game in back of Toronto. When I was on the podcast last week with RJ, he and I talked about how these teams are going to flip-flop pretty much you know, weekly from now until the end of the year. Um, we're seeing that again. I don't know what you think, but it's going to come down to the last week of the season. No doubt. It's going to come back. <laughs> I totally agree. I think it's going to come down to the very, very end. And... Um... Yeah, uh, it's going to come down to it's, it's going to be who who can who can stay alive, who can stay healthy. Um, we'll see, we'll see what happens, man. It, but I agree, it's going to come down to the last week. Yeah, and the Yankees, you know, are, we're sitting here and they they swept Minnesota and then they lose three out of four to Cleveland. Overall, five out of seven to Cleveland in the last two weeks. Cleveland's a, a last place team. They're terrible. They gave up on the season. They traded away guys. You know, they're essentially a, like a four A baseball team. And you go and lose five out of seven to those guys, you just can't do that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I haven't seen a terrible Cleveland team. Like, I don't even know what the rest of Major League Baseball has been talking about or seeing. Because all I see is a team that comes in, comes in and dominates the Yankees. <laughs> the Yankees can't. Like, everybody looks like Cy Young um, and, and Sandy Koufax against the Yankees. They can't score runs. Um, you know, the, Cleveland just hits everybody. It, it's crazy. I, I don't. I don't understand what's how Cleveland has uh, the Yankees number as much as they do, but they do. They, they've been they've been killing us all year. Yeah, and it's one of those things like the Yankees playing Minnesota. The Yankees have Minnesota's number, and they have had their number for years. for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Minnesota can't. They, no matter what they do, they can't beat the Yankees. Um, and it started Monday night uh, with a ten, eight to seven ten inning game uh, win the Yankees had. This game was one of the crazier games I can remember in recent memory. It was over four hours. It was, you know, a couple injuries that we already talked about, Brian Mitchell and Teixeira, but, you know, so much, so many things back and forth going on. It was just a wild game. Um, Yankees jumped out to an early lead with a three-run homer from McCann, and everything looked to be going fine until Mitchell took that liner off the face, and in comes the Yankee bullpen. And, you know, this bullpen, which has been so great, Gave up uh, between the second and the sixth inning. Gave up seven runs. Talking about guys like Caleb Cotham, who isn't great, but Shreven Wilson struggled. So it's kind of rare to see from the Yankees' pen. Yeah, and I'm not going to have too much to say about these early games because I, I did not see a lot of it because I was on the other side of the world. But I did see the highlights and I saw some of the some of the things about this and. I mean, look. There, there's a couple. There's a couple things in this game that you can note, right? 
the pitching wasn't great, uh, but but Beltran comes back with a huge home run to tie the game, and he's been very clutch lately. Like I feel like he's completely turned the season around, um, and uh, and and you're seeing some big hits. But but again, you know the Yankees just missing opportunities, missing opportunities late. Yeah, you, you, those missed opportunities. They went three for ten with runners in scoring position. Um, I know that's a that's a three hundred average, so it doesn't sound bad. But a lot of those were offers in the last few innings of that game. And it's going into the 10th inning and it's tied. And this is one of the weirder innings to end one of the weirder games I've ever watched. So Greg Bird, who came in for Teixeira, leads off with a double. McCann then doubles to left field, but Bird can't score because the left fielder looked like he was going to catch it. So Bird was tagging up. So he only made it to third base. So we got second and third. They uh, intentionally walk Beltron. Headley's up with the infield in, bases loaded, no outs. And he hits a ground ball to Nunez, who boots it. You know, Nunez, we've seen that before. <laughs> uh, he boots it, has no play at home, throws to first, gets Headley out at first. So the Yankees win on a walk-off fielder's choice ground out, which might be the first time that's ever happened. Yeah, and I mean, I, to me, the game was over when, when Nunez booted the ball because there was no play at home. And I don't know why the hell he even threw to first. Like, that was – just, just hold the ball. There's no reason to throw it first because the game's over. He had no shot at home. So – you know, in the book, it's a fielder's choice, but I mean, he should have just held the ball, you know, right? Like, I don't even know why he threw the first. Well, I think the, the first baseman was weird. Was was uh, weird that he that he caught a ball? Yeah, right. He probably wasn't even. I, He's like, I why are you throwing me the I ball? I wouldn't even looked at it. Yeah, like why? Yeah, would hit you in the face because you're not looking for the ball. <laughs> well, so it's funny because Nunez didn't get an error because he got the guy out at first, but. It was. An oh error. right. It was technically an error. You know, if if you know you're watching the game, you see him boot the ball. That's an error. Game over. So, sure. Whatever. They won the game. Um. You know, I I think that was a that was a big clutch come come from behind win for this team. They they picked up uh, the game. You know, it's sort of nice to win that game for Mitchell, who you know left that game, went to the hospitals. You know, as we already talked about, but it was just nice to win that game. So when real quick, when you're talking about the book and like the official scorekeeper, I mean, doesn't he? I feel like in other situations, when there's like a situational play, like it affects the way that he scores the the, um, the play itself, right? So the fact that there was a runner on third and like the play was to come home to stop the winning run, shouldn't he still get an error? Uh, I gotta look that up because I feel like th- there's someone screwed up there, or, or maybe there's maybe there's not that that leniency for the scorekeeper in that opportunity, but there should be. Because I know he has a he has leniency in other in other opportunities like error just just errors in general he can give an error he can't give an error right so why why shouldn't he make a judgment call in that particular situation because I don't think it's a judgment call because a play happened Headley was out at first that's a play I don't think they can really go against that play you know to be honest the whole thing gave me a popsicle headache watching it so I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so they won the game. That's the most important thing. If you want to go, you know, <laughs> if you want to go find a, a, an official baseball scorer out there and ask him, we can yeah, I'm going to do that for next week. Yeah, we get him on that. We'll bring him next on next week. Yeah, yeah, we'll bring him on. Yeah, I'm not your guy for that. But. <laughs> we'll bring on Ryan. That's what we'll bring on. We'll bring on Ryan and talk to him about it. You know, knowing Ryan, he's probably seen that happen like five times. Yeah, exactly. He and so if much you baseball. If, for those of you who don't know, Ryan Nakata is the guy who who um, scores every single game for us, uh, and he does the recap for every single game. He's like a machine doing the game recaps. He's done it for 
how how long we've been doing it's this? Four, four years. Four years. I mean, he's missed very very minimal games, and they've been for like extreme circumstances. <laughs> and and not only that, but he's literally has a book, and he's keeping score in a book while he's doing this. So, the man is a rare breed and an awesome breed because I love it. I love also, the fact that he does it. You know, the Yankee game will end, and he'll pop on like a, a West Coast Dodgers game or something. Yeah, no, he's a baseball fanatic. The kid's like obsessed with baseball, and I love that. So it's it's fun to talk to him about it. And yes, we need to get him on to talk about this this very situation. All right, we'll make it happen for next week. There you go. Uh, Tuesday, the Yankees won eight to four. This game uh, took a turn in the middle of the game, so we'll get to that. So it was a one to one game going into the seventh inning. CC was had started, and he was actually pitching pretty good. He was through six innings. I mean, what are we on? Podcast number 30, I want to say 30 times I've said the word, I've said the phrase, CC's max is 100 pitches or five to six innings, right? Have you, have you heard me say that before? Yes, I've heard you say that about a couple of people. Yeah. So <laughs> CC gets through the sixth inning and everything's looking good. Joe brings him back out for the seventh inning. What do you know? He gives up a long ball. And uh, it was the longest he had gone into a game since June 29th. Uh, and the Yankees are down th- uh, three to one in a blink of an eye, or actually four to one in a blink of an eye. Um, so you know, I-, I don't know why Girardi brought him out. Probably because the bullpen pitched so many innings the night before. But um, you know, with CC, we know his limit, and I guess Girardi doesn't. Yeah, I, I feel like we could say that about a bunch of situations. But um, you know, I don't know. What was his pitch count? Where was his pitch count at that time? This is a game I did not was not able to watch. So yeah, if you I don't exactly know what his pitch count was, but we've seen it. 6 innings is his absolute max. At time and yeah. time again, after the 6th inning, he totally falls off a cliff. Once the lineups go and see him for a for a third time, third into the fourth time, it's like batting practice up there. So what I'm kind of remembering because I did I just I watched a little bit of this game and, and again I can only watch some of it and I watched highlights and I feel like his pitch count was was very manageable like and and I'm going off the cuff here but I want to say it was in the 80s at that point and and I feel like that's why he took him he brought him back out like he felt like he could stretch it out because of the pitch count um, but you're right when you start seeing like the multiple the when you start seeing the guys for the third and fourth time that's when he becomes completely ineffective. And, you know, uh, he was trying to stretch, squeeze, you know, blood out of an orange or, or whatever the saying is. And, and it just didn't work. Blood out of a and, stone. You know, blood out of a stone. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get blood out of an orange. You can well, get he, orange juice out of an orange. So he had 103 pitches through, through in that game. Okay, so 100. Okay, so I'm wrong. He was wrong. probably so, in the 90s. He was in the 90s probably. Okay, so he was in the, in the 90s at that point. Yeah, I, I want to say it was like low 90s. High 80s at that point. I just remember seeing that number. Anyway, whatever. I totally agree with you. You're good through six? Get out. Get out. I mean, Girardi, we know what's going to come. Why, why not finish on a high note? I mean, I don't care if the bullpen is taxed. You know what's going to happen in the next inning. Stop trying to, to, to get more out of somebody that doesn't have that gear anymore. Well, it's, I mean, you know, it's like the fifteenth time we've seen this. The whole way the Yankees have managed their bullpen this year has been because their starters can't go past six innings. They have a new guy coming up from Scranton every freaking day. You know, they they have yes, they do. They have to borrow a little uh, Twitter rant you had the other day. They have a rolodex of guys out there in the bullpen that they go to. <laughs> that was today. Oh, that was today. That was. A, I thank you so much for bringing that up. I gotta divert. 
there was a kid that, that hit me on Twitter that didn't know what a Rolodex was or, or whatever. So, you know, sorry to, to put you on blast, kid. But, I mean, a Rolodex is, is basically slang for, like, a group of people. It's, it's, it's just a contact list of people. So, yes, yeah, it's was used slang in, back in the 80s when Scott was, was on the mean streets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That, but I'm pretty sure there's, like, a Rolodex app today probably, right? So, like, the, yeah, it's, it's a brand your, it's name. It's called your it's contacts like, list in your iPhone, dude. It's like scotch tape. It's like scotch tape, for God's sakes. Come on. There's a, but yeah, there's anyway. a Rolodex app. It's the contacts there's be a Rolodex the iPhone. App. Yeah, but they probably do different things. It's probably like this awesome contact <laughs> app. It's called Rolodex. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, yes. Yeah, so they're they're probably going back down for for you know they've been going going they've been going back and forth and back and forth uh, for these relievers in AAA. So yeah, you know there's another guy every day. Right. So take CC out. That's the bottom line. That's the whole message. Bottom line: take CC out. At the end of the day, take CC out. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Rolodex or no Rolodex, take CC out. It didn't matter. You know why? Because Tell me why, please. Alex Emmanuel Rodriguez busted out of his slump in a big way. Comes up. Don't call with, me a Rod. But yep, yep. Comes up with the bases full in the seventh inning. Yanks down three. Gets a pitch out over the plate and absolutely crushes it to the Yankees bullpen. You know, and the Yankees are up in that point and um, never looked back in that game. That was his first home run since July 27th, which was his birthday out in Texas. I know RJ and I talked about that last week, how, how bad A-Rod's look recently. You know, absolutely no bat speed. Um, and, you know, maybe he still isn't fully out of his slump, but, but that grand slam really, really was a huge hit for him and the team. I mean, that's a great way to, to, to come out of a slump. And, and uh, you know, I think the biggest thing coming out of that is to, you know, we all hope it's a slump, right? And it's not just him, like, being fatigued at the end of the year because he's 40 years old, which very well could be. I mean, only time's going to tell if that's if that's what it is. If it's a slumper, if it's just him being fatigued, and we and we continue to see this. So, yeah, great way to break out. Huge home run, clutch situation. Uh, great job, Alex. Well, I think he's going to get a little bit of a rest coming up because the Yankees have three games in Atlanta. So he's not going to start in those games. Uh, so maybe we'll just see some pinch hitting, you know, once a night for him. So I think he'll get some rest coming up. Yeah, and he actually admitted, I think, when when they went to uh, Florida. Um, when they went to the Marlins uh, to play the Marlins, I mean, he had that one pinch hit opportunity. But he admitted after that series that the rest was actually good for him. Um, so I think that you know the 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 days off could be a, a good thing for him. It's kind of like a you know you had the Marlins series, then you had the All Star break, then you have now. So it's giving him like you know a couple of different segments of the of the season for him to get some rest. So I, I in his situation, I I think rest is a very good thing. Yeah, I mean, I just don't know what they're going to do in the World Series. Oh, boy. There it is. <laughs> Knock on some friggin' wood, man. Knock on wood right now. Jesus. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll come to that when it, uh, when it happens. But, Absolutely. yes, we don't know. So uh, <laughs> Greatest pinch hitter of all time. Yeah. So Wednesday, the Yankees completed the sweep of Minnesota with a 4-3 win. And it was Greg Bird's coming out party. Bird is the word, I think, um, was the call from Sterling on the radio. Um, and, uh, you know, the kid two two run home runs was the entire Yankee offense. And I don't know about you, but that's, that's really the only story of the game. Yeah. That's the only story of the game. <laughs> the bird, 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 bird is the word, but, but let's not forget there was a starting pitcher that went seven strong, resilient innings named Nathan Avaldi going seven innings strong for his 
what, 13th? 13th win, I think it is, leading the New York Yankees, second in Major League Baseball, 13th win. I mean, it's a pretty good story right there. I like it. I love Greg Bird. I love the fact that Greg Bird is up and doing well and has the, the Yankee cloth written all over him. But, Andrew, let's talk about Nathan Avaldi. Yeah, he was pretty good. He was pretty good in that game. <laughs> so I was, uh, full disclosure, I was not watching or listening to this game because I had training uh, all week. And this was a day game, so I was forced to just follow on Twitter, really. Um, and I saw that that Evaldi was mowing him down, you know, through five innings. He had a no-hitter. Um, and then I, I, you know, put my, put my uh, I close out uh, tweet deck and I go back on and 10 minutes later, and not only had he given up a hit, but they scored three runs out of nowhere. Just sort of that that sixth inning has been sort of a, a tough hurdle for him all season. Yeah. So I was. Uh, this was a this was a game that I I couldn't watch live, obviously, but I I saw all the highlights and I saw pretty much every play. And in that sixth inning, if you look back, and this is something that we've talked about before, because I am a Nathan Avaldi fan. At this point, I'm a fan, right? I'm his boy. You're a fanboy. Uh, he should. No, yeah, he should be like I'm. I should be part of his entourage at this point. Go buy an Evaldi um, jersey, why don't you? I, I will. Maybe I'll put the word, the name Evaldi on the back too, like all those generic Yankee fans who put names on the back. No, I will not do that. But he came out and he pitched, and um, the the look, there was a bleeder to third base. There was a bloop hit, and this is something that has been happening to him quite a bit. And there was an article on Bronx Pinstripes. Please go back and read it. Um, I'm I'm, tr- I'm forgetting now who wrote it. It was either Rowie or it was uh, it was Steven. It was one of those two guys who wrote that article. It was a great article, um, and and talking about how unlucky Evaldi has been. Granted, he has been around the plate, and he doesn't deserve to be unlucky, but he has been unlucky in the situations where uh, the the time called, and like little dribblers and 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 bloopers are falling off of off of him. Quite a bit, and uh, that was what kind of scorned him in that sixth inning. But to his credit, and to Girardi's credit, I will give Joe, Joe Girardi credit for this. They brought him back out in the seventh inning, and he got through the seventh inning and did well. He came back and, and showed some moxie, and I love that. And you have to love that. I was shocked they that, brought him back that, out. That alone, you have to love that he came back out and, and, and shut it down in the seventh inning. No, I mean, I love that he did that, but I was shocked he came back out. What about you? I was shocked, yeah. I'm surprised that Girardi did it. I am very surprised. But I love the fact that he gave uh, – the, the you know, he believed in him and, and showed the confidence that he could come back out there and do it. Because, you know, Nathan Evaldi's not very – he's not a – when you look at him and you look at him pitch, he doesn't show emotion. He's very like you – just, you just don't see much emotion at all. He's from very Carl Pavano-esque. Oh, God. Here we go with the Carl Pavano references. I, I think we have he, a mailbag, he, right, that we want to read about, Evo? Yes. Okay, let's do this. I think I, this just, is from, I, I want to get this over with because I think I just have to I, – I know what's coming. I just want to get this over with. Okay. This is from at Brotron88. We've heard from you before. Thank you so much for writing in this time. I'm going to read it here. Hey, guys. So I'm a big Evaldi fan this year. I know he is an, an MVP or an all-star or a Cy Young candidate, maybe. That was me. That was an ad lib. But I really enjoyed Nathan uh, watching Nathan improve each start. He seems to get a little deeper each week and is also improving his placement every start. He's young, focused, and willing to work hard to improve. And I think that is priceless. So given his last start, where he only let uh, people reach base one out of seven innings, is this the day? Is today the day 
that I finally get to hear Andrew say, good job, Evaldi. Good job. Uh, Brotron88, thank you very much for, for writing in, and I love that you're a consistent listener of the podcast. But no, today is not the day that you get to see, hear me say that. I need to see it more consistently. You can't say it about that one outing? How could you not say that? Yes, that was a good outing, obviously. Say I think it, I already say, said say that. Good job, Evaldi. You did a great job in that outing. No, I'm not going that far. You need to say that. He did a great job. Not only did he not only did he throw seven innings having no hitter through five, had some garbage little base hits that he gave up runs on, but he came back out, showed the moxie, closed down the seventh inning, went home, drank a beer, probably did some other things, good things. <laughs> And, 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 you know, and, and, and had a great day. It yes. was improvement. Seven innings, seven innings. Why don't we just go retire his number two while we're at it? <laughs> I'm all for it. Let's go. I'll lead the charge. All right. That was, that was, that was, I just wanted to get that over with because, and it's really not, you know, people might think that we're just acting when, when we're fighting about Evaldi. It really is not. I really just. No, Andrew hates Evaldi. <laughs> he hates him. I don't know why he hates him, but he does. I don't know either. You must love Martin Prado for some reason. Like that's the like you or you love um, David Phelps. Like, do you have affinity for these two players that are doing terribly right now? It has nothing to do with that. It just has the fact to do with the fact that I see Evaldi's potential, and and I just don't see him. I, I see him pitch well, like we saw on Wednesday. You know, twenty percent of the time. I'm not asking him to go out there hundred percent of the time and go seven innings. You know, and and you know, be dominant. But give me give me improvement. Go out there. You know, <laughs> the majority of the time and do. That. He is. He's improving. Look at this. He's improving. He's keeping us in games. Hey, hey, every he's game, 30, he's going the, five innings. The Yankees win games when Avaldi pitches. Bottom line. That that's the Yankees a fluke. win games. They win games. It's crazy though. Right? Uh, you know, maybe maybe he pumps them up in the bowl, in the in the dugout. I don't know. He he. He, what is, what's his ERA now? It's like 4-3. Four, four, did he knock it down to 4-3, four, 4-2? Four, yeah, but that's it's not crazy. Tanaka's 3-5-6. It's, it's not that far off. I mean, he has not pitched to his record. You got to admit that. Okay, he, maybe he hasn't pitched to his record, but he's yes, he's had some run support. Absolutely. But he's been an effective pitcher. It was a great trade now. You can't tell me it wasn't a great trade. We have a 20, what is he, 25? 25-year-old okay. arm who throws 97 miles an hour who's learning. Larry Rothschild is doing a very good job with him. And he's, he's, he's obtaining this knowledge. He's learning. I 100% agree it was a good trade. And because you gave up an aging bat for a young arm, I do that deal a million percent of the time. So I'm not complaining about that. I would, again, just like to see more consistency out of Avaldi. He's consistently through five innings. What, what more do you want? You know what the messed up <laughs> every, thing is? Every start, it's consistent. Think about this. Think about this. If CC Sabathia had the run support that Evaldi had, he would probably have like eight or nine wins. I don't know. I, I, maybe. I doubt it. But I mean, he would have more wins. I don't know if he'd have eight or nine, but he'd have more wins. CC gives up games early on, man. It's like... You know, not of the last three three starts he hasn't, but you know, early in the season, I mean, games were over in the second inning. So I don't know. Before we move off this game, I want to talk about Bird a little bit more. Uh, the two home runs, as we mentioned, won the game for him. After the game, he was you know as professional a player. Uh, you, you would have thought he was in the league for ten years at this point. I don't know if you heard his post game interview and also Girardi's post game interview in which he said of Bird that he has a slow heartbeat. So this kid really does look like he's, you know, the the prototype of a major league ball player. Mm-hmm. 
No, I like it. You know, it cut from the Yankee cloth. Uh, Rich Kaufman was has been saying cut from the Yankee cloth, and I agree. Um, I, Rich was actually tweeting for Bronx Pinstripes the night that he hit those home runs, and he had a pretty epic tweet uh, that 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 I read like 15 times because it was so beautiful. It was like poetry. It was like what 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 was the exact? I gotta I gotta look exactly what I put it from memory. It was. Um, uh, a bird in the hand is two in the seats. It was something along those lines. It was oh, it was yeah, it was perfect. That, yeah. it, it was, was, it was perfect. Sterling, it was, it was a, Sterling would be proud. It was it was Sterling esque. Yeah, it was very good. It was very good. Everybody, uh, the Yes Network should look at that. Um, you know, everybody should look at that tweet and see the poetry that Rich Kaufman did. He's hireable, hundred percent hireable. Um, <laughs> we should you should definitely get him on board. Uh, it was it was beautiful. Um, but hire, hire yes, us, hire us all while you're at it. <laughs> there you go. There's so the the fact that that he has the the um the the slow heartbeat as Girardi says or ice in the veins or however you want to say it he definitely feels you know he looks and feels like you know no big moment is big is too big for him um, and he he really does uh, perform and I think the the interview afterwards just hearing what he says and team first team first is very Jeter esque um, you know and he he definitely felt like a New York Yankee. Uh, listening to him, so yeah, I'm excited for him. I think he's going to be doing really good things in this uh, in this uniform. More more stuff that happened after this game was they asked uh, the media asked Irvin Santana, who gave up the two bombs to Bird, about the game, and he said basically, you know, Yankee Stadium is a joke. So what do you expect? Uh, pretty sure that those two home runs Bird hit would be gone in any stadium. The first one was in the second deck in right field. So yes, right field is short, but second deck is no cheap shot. And the second one went 420 feet. That's a that's a home run no matter where you're playing in in the league. So for Santana to say that, I think he was just a little butthurt. Yeah, don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out, kid. See ya. Uh, he was definitely butthurt. Definitely uh, just just uh, talking out of his uh, out of his rear uh, about those home runs. And yeah, those were solid home runs. So take nothing away uh, against against the bird, baby. You can't do that. Not now. All right, so that that was kind of where the the week took a turn. Um, they they welcomed Cleveland in for a four game series, and I know we just I just said this earlier, but last place Cleveland has now won five out of seven games against you this season, and it started Thursday with a three to two loss. Um, Josh Tomlin started for the Indians, making just his second start back from shoulder surgery, and he absolutely shoved the Yankees bats down their throat. Um, could not get anything going. So two things. I'm, I'm going to say right now, this has been a long episode, and I'm, I'm afraid that people are going to turn it off right now because all we're going to talk about is the Cleveland series now. <laughs> this has been a great long episode. And um, the fact of the Cleveland series is the tail end of our week is complete trash because all the Yankees did was not show up again against Cleveland. Like, I, I don't understand it. How, how can you possibly you know, show up and win and do what you did in Toronto and do what you did in Minnesota and then, and then Cleveland comes to your house, a last place team, a team that's been struggling all year, and then act like you know, they're, they're the, um, the talent walking in and they're the better team? It's, it's embarrassing. So, okay, I, I, if I, if I uh, am catching what you're putting down here, it's that uh, you want to get through these, these four-game recaps quickly, right? Yeah, well, that too. I'm just, I'm just, you know, the, the Cleveland series is frustrating for everybody. I think it's, it's such a garbage series. What happened, you know, because this was an opportunity. This was another opportunity lost. 
for for the New York Yankees to make a, a move in the AL East and to put some distance between them. You're looking at the look at paper and you see uh, the Cleveland Indians coming into the Bronx. Yes, we lost two of three when we were in Cleveland, but we have a four game set against the Indians at New York. You got to win those games. You got to win the series. I mean, at the very least, you got to split, and they didn't do right. that. So yeah, so it's it's just disappointing for me. And yes, talking about it, it's going to be painful. So so okay, let's, let's, let's get through. Let's it. get it through it quickly. And uh, well, you know, I got a couple things I want to I want to discuss and, and mainly complain about. So Good. Thursday's game, nothing game, lost three to two. Bats couldn't get anything going. We just said that Friday they lost seven to three. Uh, Carlos Carrasco, I know he's had a pretty solid year, and overall the Indians pitching staff is actually one of their strengths. But he had eleven strikeouts in six yeah. in two in two thirds innings. Are you kidding me? Eleven? It's insane. Yeah, that's that's a lot, man. That's that's uh, that's way too many strikeouts for this kid. And he was available at the trade deadline too. Like I actually thought we didn't even talk about this, but it was, I think it was after the episode that we made our predictions on on who we were going to target. I realized that Carrasco was a was an option, and I you know I was to my in my own brain I just thought silently that you know maybe this guy who's coming who's playing who's you know really. Throwing a good uh, a good year w- would be a good option, um, but he didn't get moved, which I thought was a mistake for Cleveland. Um, and unfortunately, he pitched against us and pitched really well. And in that same game, Tanaka had to grind through his start. He gave up yeah. four runs through six. Um, you know, he kept the team in the game, so you know that's fine. But Tanaka's our ace. I think we're all in agreement. I think after he pitched that complete game in Toronto, he sort of cemented his spot as the Yankees' ace. Whether you think he is a good ace or to have you know going into the playoffs or not is up for debate. But he's the best pitcher on the staff. And for him, he needs to do better than six innings and four runs versus the Cleveland Indians, who rank as the 13th uh, or the, the 13th ranked offense in the league. So they're essentially one of the worst offenses in the league. So he needs to do better or it was just a, a bad start for him, you think? I mean, because a couple of minutes ago, you were killing a kid. Oh God! For for going six innings, and and four runs. If this if that if that name was Nathan Avaldi, God help his soul right now. I swear to God, God help his soul, because what you just told me was that that was fine. You know, he grinded it out for six innings, gave out four runs. That's fine. And then, but he's our ace. So the fact that he's our ace, he gets a pass. But our number four pitcher or three, if you look at the roster, you know, to me, I expect way more than that. Right? Like. That's, yeah, it was a bad start. We're, we're talking about the 13th, like you said, the 13th um, r- ranking offense in the AL, or run scored. 13 and out of he's 15. Through six, 13 out of 15. That's bad. That's bad. And he's, he's grinding through six, giving up four runs. Three when he was on the field. Another one was an inherited runner that was given up. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, yeah, he's got to do more. We, we need more out of him. We need more out of him. It, it was totally a bad start. He didn't have his good stuff. Um, and what I meant really was he grinded through and kept him in the game because that's what Tanaka does. Um, he's always done that for them. But yeah, he needs to, you know, you know, an ace like Tanaka needs to go in there and shove the bats down Indians' throats for seven or eight innings, and he couldn't do that. The Yankees had a late inning push, you know, for for some runs, but then the it just sort of fell away from them. Seven to three loss. No, you're you're totally right. Bad start for Tanaka. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, the only highlight really on the field for uh, for the weekend was that Severino got his first win in the majors. Um, I think he probably deserved a win in some other starts that he had, but uh, another right. six-inning, real solid start from him. 
Yeah, and you know he got run support, which was a good thing for for uh, Severino. He hadn't had much run support. I think what two runs or three runs uh, in his last few starts. He hasn't had much support at all. And and what they did this time was they came out early and scored five runs in two innings. So that was a that was a big I think um, confidence boost for Severino. And you know he he just showed his good stuff that he's been showing. I mean it's he's, he throws ninety seven that moves and that's filthy. So. Yeah, I mean, he gave up a home run in the first inning and basically shut it down after that, was coasting with the yep. big lead. So I, I really have liked what I've seen from from the rookie since he's come up. Oh, absolutely. Like, his record does not represent what he's done. He's He's been pitching very well, um, and his stuff is is electric. It really is. It's actually better than I thought it was, to tell you the truth. Like, I I, I, actually, I didn't know that he threw 97 miles an hour. I, I didn't know that. Um, I, I thought he was 95, uh, or, you know, hovering around 95. But, I mean, he, he hits 96, 97 quite frequently. And it's not a straight fastball. It's not a, it's not a Nathan of all yeah, fastball, which a lot is of one movement. of the reasons why. That you know, one of the reasons why Evaldi gets so many hits is because it's a very flat, straight fastball. Um, but Severino has, you know, it's it's a that thing is jumping out of his hand and moves quite a bit. So Absolutely. maybe those two can maybe those two can talk and uh, and and you know make the better of it. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Severino can pitch in the strike zone with his fastball and get outs because he's going to yeah. miss the barrel of the bat. So right, R- real good. Yeah, pitch. no, I to- I totally agree. I totally agree. He looks great. Uh, and Sunday, they, they lost the last one of the series. CeCe left this game, as we said, after two and two-thirds. Um, the offense actually came back. Uh, they got a, a, a well-placed uh, bloop double from Beltron. They tied it three mm-hmm. to three. And then get this. This, this actually you know, stopped me in my tracks when I heard this stat. Batances gives up a home run in the eighth inning. It was the first left-handed batter to ever hit a home run off Batances. That's 302 batters. That's crazy. That's that's a statistic that I never would have thought was uh, was real. Um, the fact that it was the first one. So that's impressive for a right-handed pitcher too. You know uh, that that being the first home run uh, in in Yankee Stadium too. I mean that's I mean the the majority of his games uh, you know I'd say are in Yankee Stadium. And the fact that he's never given up one to a left-handed batter is uh, is pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean it was a Yankee Stadium home run. I think Irvin Santana would agree. But um, <laughs> you know, them's the breaks, I guess. You know, yeah. We get right. plenty of those for us, and we're going to give them up too. But you'd expect that you know a left-handed batter to to, to plop one over on on him before, and the fact that he hasn't done it in three hundred and two batters—that's crazy. Yeah, and for everyone complaining um, about, I say everyone. I don't know if anyone actually did. All I know is I got a text message from my dad right after that happened saying Batanzas sucks. Come on, Dad, <laughs> chill. I know you're angry, but yeah. chill. Um, yeah, all right. let's re- let's relax, Dad. I, I'm I'm grateful that you made Andrew a Yankees fan living in Rhode Island, <laughs> but but Batances is 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 just fine. He's I just fine. He was a, even for him. I think he was half kidding, but you know he gets pretty heated right. over some of these games. Yeah, good for him. That's 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 good for the soul. Um, all right, they got three coming up against Houston, and then three at Atlanta. Um, Houston is still uh, playing well. They haven't played Houston for a while. I feel like. Yeah, you know, we got shut down by by um, I, what's that kid? The kid with the beard. I Keuchel. can't even remember his name. Yeah, Keiko. So these guys are you know relatively unknowns to the majority of baseball fans, I'd say. Uh, but they're they're playing well. They're young. They're they're I think um, still just full of energy and ready to go. These a lot of these guys have never seen a playoff race. Um, I mean, they haven't seen anything like that in Houston in a long time, probably since Carlos Beltran. Right since he was there and hit yeah, since, hit like since, a ridiculous uh, amount of home runs since Andy Pettit was there. The, 
Yeah, that's right. So they, you know, it's been it's been a, a long time in Houston. So you know the fans are gearing up and ready to go for for a, a run. Granted, this will be in Yankee Stadium, but but the fact that the the Houston Astros are in a playoff hunt um, at this time in the season is is something they haven't seen in a while. So I feel like they're going to be ready to go. Um, they're young and and probably don't know anything different, right? So they just go out there and play their butts off. Um, but they're yeah, they're talented, man. So that's going to be a big series. We need to we need to do well there. Um, and then I think at Atlanta, you know, those are winnable games right there. Like like Cleveland. Cleveland was winnable at the stadium. The Atlanta games are definitely winnable as well. So, um, you know, our old pal uh, Nick Swisher's with the Braves now, right? I, I didn't even realize that until yeah. like last week. Yeah, that was he got a, traded after. Yeah, that was a that was a post deadline move. Uh, so yeah, I'm that was like a, the, I'm looking at the pitching uh, matchups for the Houston series. First game, the Yankees are facing Scott Feldman, who they've seen a bunch of times because he was with the the Rangers mm-hmm. for all those years. So, you know, they should be able to hit him. Then they're facing Keuchel, who's one of the best pitchers in the league, but they have seen him already, so maybe that'll help. And then they face McHugh, who also they saw in Houston. So hopefully this time around, it'll be a little bit better for the Yankees' bats. Yeah, definitely. And um, I haven't really followed Feldman's season, but I know early on he was doing really well. He's got a five. I don't know how he's been. Okay, so he's he's definitely not done as well as he started because he started out pretty well. Um, but he, I mean, that guy's like the, the, like the oldest dude on the team. Like he's not that old. (laughs) That, that just kind of says how young this, this team is. Um, and you know, everybody, we, we know, we know Susan Waldman with, uh, George Springer, the pride of Connecticut. Uh, he's, I think he's back, right? He's back off of injury or he's coming back off of injury. Um, so they're, they're ready to go, man. So that's gonna be a tough series. No doubt about it. Absolutely. Looking forward to that. And before we get out of here, um, I just want to mention that, Rowie Hader for our for our website. He actually went down and covered a Trenton Thunder game as a media member. That's big news for us. We're at, we're, we're we're getting more legitimate by the day. I think so. That's really exciting. He uh, hooked up with Dan Pfeiffer, who we had on the podcast uh, in one of the first few episodes, and he sort of showed him the ropes. And I think Rowie will be including some interviews he got um, and, and some of those notes in his next minor league update. So definitely look out for that. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it was it was awesome. Uh, Roey got down to uh, the Thunder game, and he's definitely going to be going to more games. And and uh, you know, big shout out to the the guys at the Yes Network who um, helped us out with that. I mean, you know, the, the affiliation with the Yes Network has been great for our website. You know, we're we're very we're very proud to be a, a partner of the Yes Network, um, and uh, and they're definitely you know assisting us getting into some of these minor league games and um, and getting some of our guys who do some great work. I mean, Roey does great work. Um, and, uh, you know, looking forward to him getting to some more games and, and a big shout to Dan Pfeiffer also for kind of showing him the ropes. I know he's been in the, the Trenton Thunder, uh, press box for, for, you know, a couple of years now and, and he's done some extensive stuff with them. So definitely a big shout out to Dan for, for showing Roby the ropes and, uh, yeah, some good things coming out of there for sure. Definitely. If you want to submit mailbags, uh, you can hit it up on the website at the podcast page. It's just Bronx Pinstripes slash podcast. And definitely call the voicemail. We always enjoy playing those at 646-480-0342. If you have no last words, Scott, I think that'll do it. And hopefully the Yankees can turn it around this week after dropping those games to Cleveland. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.